Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened that this way: Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, "We'll go with you." So they went out and got onto the boat. But that that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, "Friends, haven't you any fish?" "No," they answered. He said, "Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some." When they did, they were unable to haul the net in in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, "It is the Lord." As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, "It is the Lord," he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed into the in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, around、uh, about a hundred meters. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, "Bring some of the fish you have just caught." So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, "Come and have breakfast." None of the disciples dared to ask him, "Who are you?" They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So we've got this week and next week left in John's Gospel. I hope those of you who have been here for much of it have been encouraged or challenged, excited by what we've learned as we've gone through. My prayer in these last two weeks is that God will speak to us through this amazing miracle of fish, and next week of reconciliation. From the beginning of his ministry, Jesus used fishing as an example of his kingdom power to save and to provide. Do you know what the ichthys is? You know what the ichthys is? A few people. Okay, John. There we go. It's that symbol. And.、Uh, It's a fish. Fairly straightforward. Greek word for fish is ichthys, but it became the sign of the fish used by early Christians as a kind of secret symbol to identify other believers. And what would happen is that if you weren't sure of somebody, you would do one part of the symbol, and if they knew, if they were believers and knew what it was, they would do the other part. Uh, and so you knew that you could kind of、uh, trust each other. If you take the letters、um, of the the, the word、uh, in Greek, some people uh, have uh, made it stand the acronym for Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. So that's one of the reasons that it became、uh, their symbol. In this story. And in the chapter, we see that Jesus is revealed. So last week, 
that Jesus appeared to, to different people at different times and in different ways. But his, his appearance is always timely. And it was always appropriate for the people that he uh, appeared to. It's always according to his plan, not according to what they, uh, or in our case, we uh, might choose. It might have been that Peter's denial had stayed with him and he thought, well, I've really blown it as a disciple. Uh, you know, I've really, I've done this really dreadful, stupid thing and I can't, uh, I can't uh, deal with it anymore. I've failed. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go back to fishing because that's what I know. That's what I like. That's what I understand. Or maybe it's just that as human beings, they needed something to eat and they felt like fish. Maybe there was no money left because Judas had gone. But maybe it was that they were in Galilee because that's where Jesus had told them several times that he was going to meet them. It's one of those things the Bible doesn't tell us that would be quite nice to know. But Jesus appears at a time that they need him. They'd fished all night. They were doing what they were good at, doing what they knew, but they'd caught nothing. But when Jesus said, throw your nets on the right side, they caught more fish than they could have imagined. And it's a really powerful story, a powerful example. Because they've seen this before. This is not a first time for these disciples. In Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, Jesus did the same thing. He showed up just as they were cleaning their nets. They'd been out, they'd been fishing, they'd caught nothing. And of course, they need to keep their nets clean because if they don't, they'll rot and they need to repair them because if they don't, they'll rip when they catch the fish. So they've been out, they've done all this hard work, and they're sitting there. And Jesus comes along and he says, there's a huge crowd here. Will you let me go in your boat and just go out a wee bit onto the sea so that I can speak to the crowd? So off they go. I suspect what they wanted to do was sleep. It's what I would want to do after a night shift. But there they are, sitting in the boat with Jesus. And Jesus is teaching. Well, doesn't it tell us how long. Was it 10 minutes? Was it three hours? No idea. But there they are in the boat, listening and waiting. Maybe nodding off occasionally. And then Jesus says, going to put your nets out. And Peter says, Lord, we fished all night. We fished all night and we didn't catch anything. Now you want us to, it's the daytime. We don't fish. But he said, because it's you, we'll put the net out. And they caught so many fish that the nets began to break. And then they had to get their pals to come and help them to bring the fish in. And when they were sorted after that, and they had redone the nets, and they had sorted all the fish and done that, Jesus said to them, in future, you are going to fish for people. And it was at that moment that they chose to follow him. 
So here we are. Jesus has set the whole thing up again. He knows that they feel like failures and that the dream of the kingdom has died within them. But he takes them right back to the beginning, to when they first met him, and he starts again. Now, you might be here today, you might be watching online, and you might have lost some of the love for God that you used to have. Maybe you've resorted to old habits, and they're not helpful for you. Or maybe you feel like you've been following God's call, and it's not really working out in the way that you thought. Well, the good news for you this morning is that Jesus is willing to start over. This is not the end. It can be a new start with him. Here he is. He reminds his friends of their first sense of awe and wonder when they realized there was something different and unique and special about this man they had been listening to. To that time when they decided they were going to follow Jesus, do you need to be reminded of that first love today? Or do you need to know that you actually are in the right place and that Jesus will come to you at the right time? You just need to wait because his time is the perfect time. See, his appearance is compassionate. That's the essence of this story. He appeared in his resurrected body and he showed his divine power to them, but he also demonstrates human concern. The, the term that he uses, friends, actually can be translated as children. It's, it's kind of like a dad would speak to his children. And these were the adopted children that God the Father had entrusted to Jesus. They were the future of the church. They were his, bought with his blood, so Jesus' question, do you have any fish, demonstrates the care that God has for us in our everyday needs as well as in our spiritual life. He has promised that his grace is always sufficient to care for us. Verse 9 says, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've caught. Jesus, of course, didn't need them to catch fish for him. He had already provided his own. Jesus did, he does not need us to build his kingdom. He could do that perfectly well on his own. However, in his grace and mercy, he has chosen to use us to build his kingdom. And let's be honest, if we were going to build something really special, would you choose us? But God does, because he sees things in us that we don't see in each other. He gives skills and abilities and talents that, that we just don't see, that we don't even know we've got yet. And he chooses us to do that. I think that's astonishing. But at this moment, there was not one of those people there who doubted the identity of Jesus. As he blessed the, the bread and the fish, the disciples would no doubt have remembered the feeding of the 5,000 or the 4,000. 
Peter might have recollected how he once paid a taxman on behalf of both Jesus and himself with a coin that they'd found in the mouth of a fish. The blessing might also have reminded them of how Jesus became known to the, the two uh, friends on the road to Emmaus when Jesus sat with them and broke bread. And to bring it up to date for us, Jesus cares for his body, the church. He wants the church to be nourished and healthy, not emaciated, hungry, or destitute. He already knew that they'd caught nothing. But he asks them because he wants them to recognize their need. They had to admit it. They had to say, we don't have anything. So many times, we do the opposite. We say, ah, but we've got this or we've got that. They needed to recognize that they needed him and to rely on him for their needs to be met. He had the bread. He had the fire going before they were even ready because he cared for them. His appearance was also powerful. It's yet another fish miracle. It's one of those kind of, oh, no, another fish miracle. <laughs> you know. But that's because they were fishermen. That's what they understood and, and, and they knew. A supernatural exercise of power through natural means. Jesus directs them specifically with the where and the how because following Jesus' directions always gets positive and powerful results. But so often we trust our own instincts and our own logic. And we need to learn to trust God and his plan, his purpose. So when he says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find fish, they did it and they were overwhelmed. God's direction is powerful. There are always results when we obey Jesus. Exactly 153 large fish. I don't think that matters, I think. It's simply saying it was a large number. A lot of fish. But I think it would also have reminded them of their call to fish for people. And the suggestion is that if they wait for God's prompting and do what he says, there will also be an incredible catch of people. And just a few weeks later, they find the first part of that comes true. Because in the day of Pentecost, there are 3,000 people who are caught. They give their life to Jesus. They become members of his family. And it's the start of fishing for people. You see that in the amazing growth of the early church. And sometimes in our culture... And looking at our presbytery plan and reading some of the stuff that's coming to the General Assembly this year that tells us we're going to be broke by 2030, we forget that all across the world, the church is still growing today. People are still saying to Jesus, yes, I choose you. I'm going to follow you. Make me a fisher of people. So the disciples' response, I think, also should be the church's resolution. It should be the response of those who are followers of Jesus. So John, the disciple that Jesus loved, he's quick to recognize Jesus. And he, ex- he, he simply says, it's the Lord. He's the first. He says, it's the Lord. 
affirming the deity of Jesus, who died and was buried and rose to save all those who would follow him. You see, those who are closest to Jesus will recognize his work first. And this was Jesus' best friend. And so he's the one who says, ah, it's Jesus. And then we have Peter. (laughs) Yet again, entering the picture with a big splash. Now, I have often wondered, why did he put his cloak on? You know, why would you do that? You don't want to swim with on. You want to take it off to swim. And just this morning as I was sitting here, the thought came to me that John a number of times has taken us back in his thinking to the Garden of Eden. And what happened in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And the first thing they did was made coverings for themselves because they realized they were naked. They couldn't be in the presence of God without being covered. And here's Peter, embarrassed and ashamed, mortified at having abandoned Jesus when he needed him most, having been so, yes, Lord, I'll die for you. And he cannot bear to be in the presence of God without being covered. So he wraps his outer garment around him and he heads for Jesus. He wants to be reconciled with Jesus. And we'll get to that next week. But you see, his, his love of Jesus, sometimes we forget. And it shouldn't be disregarded. He should be commended for this. He had a strong affection for Jesus. He wanted to be with him despite his failure. And that should be true for all of us who profess to love the Lord despite our failures. We should want to be with him. To come to Jesus is to revere him as Lord and to obey him as Lord. So Peter, he jumps into the water and he swims to the shore and as the other disciples are dragging the fish in the boat in, Jesus says, bring some fish that you caught and we'll put them on the fire. And Peter's the first one to obey. He goes and he helps them get the fish in and get it cooking. He doesn't say, Lord, I was here first. Let them do the work. Lord, I'm not going to do that. I want to be with you. Jesus says, go and get some fish. And he goes, okay. And sometimes when Jesus says to us, go and, we need to just go, okay. The rest of the disciples aren't mentioned specifically, but one thing is certain. They showed themselves to be devoted followers of Jesus. They're not as flamboyant as Peter. They're not as profound as John, but they are careful and honest, mindful, faithful workers, not attention seekers, just devout followers of Jesus. Hard workers, standing close by to help drag the fish to shore, taking special attention to the work that had to be done in the presence of Jesus. And their example reminds us that we are called to serve Jesus and that we are all different with different gifts to bring to the work. And Jesus still today says to each person here and each person watching online, 
follow me. And if you haven't yet decided to do that, then what's holding you back? If you are already following, what is it you need from Jesus today? How can he meet you where you are with what you need? Because the thing is, just as he did then, he had the fire and the fish ready. He's ready with whatever it is you need today. And in terms of catching fish, the opportunities are many. Every single one of us fits the mold of at least one of these disciples. Some are outspoken and a bit brash. Some are contemplative. Some work away quietly in the background. But every single believer has a valuable part in building his church today. Amen.